I suppose with only three games left, the top four is all we can look at and the relegation fight uh, is there left to entertain us. And Dave, yesterday, Norwich, the first team to be confirmed relegated yesterday. My question is, everyone has spoke about how well Norwich played and their style of playing games has been attractive and it's been impressive at times. I just felt that they were, when they were promoted, they were probably a little bit disappointing in the transfer market in regards to quality needed to stay up. So, were they doomed kind of with their dealings in the summer? Did they bring in the quality that was needed? Because the, certainly the football seemed to be decent. I don't think there's not much they could have. Well, there probably is, obviously. It's easy now looking back to say they could have and should have done better. But you look at the likes of Villa. Villa bought a hell of a lot of quantity as well. Norwich brought in a few. I don't. I wouldn't quite put my finger on the transfer side of things. I basically, I think it's the way they played, to be honest. Because being pretty is all well and good, but... You know, the signs were there right from the very get-go. They tried to go toe-to-toe with Liverpool, and we've seen what happened. It was great for 15, 20 minutes, but once Liverpool kind of figured them out, um, Carragher, I think it was, on the night kind of went, Jesus, this is the way it is. It's only going to happen. It's only going to go one way. And that was the case. And whatever about the rest of the season, since they've come back, it's been bitterly disappointing. If I, to be a Norwich fan for the last four or, four or five games since they've come back, to them, it really bad. and then to go out the way they did yesterday, um, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I, this sounds cruel, but I'm not in the least bit sorry because you know you expect a bit more from somebody who's really trying to fight um, to get out of it. But it was interesting. Their pretty players, well, one or two of their pretty players, like Cantwell, were on the bench at the weekend. But he had great time to put in a, to do his hair up lovely anyway. So um, if that they're the type of players that are in your team, maybe you don't want them. Yeah, uh, you, you can't really say that there's too many standout players though on that Norwich team. Like, no. yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard to find where the goals are coming from. Puky up front started off yeah. flying, but again, he he's not standoutish. He had a good role of uh, form. There's there's nothing there really that you can say. I'd like them in my team now. Norwich are gone down. Exactly. Um, usually, you'd look at the teams who go down. You to say. Right, who was going to get picked up, or who was going to where? What who um, the big boys will p- pick at the carcass, and there's not a lot there to be honest. Cantwell had a bit of a a bit of a rise in 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 the the stock, so to speak. But I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Other than that, I don't think there's much there. There's Aaron's is a good fullback, plenty of pace. Uh, Pookie, maybe the championship is his level. I know he, he did a half-decent job at the start of the season, but, you know, uh, yeah, it's going to be tough. The interesting thing is is whether they keep Barker, to be honest. As much as he's a top guy and plays a nice way, will they rip up the script and go again and start afresh with somebody new? That'll be the, that'll be the bigger question, to be honest, regardless of what, what, kind, of, what kind of personnel they lose. Yeah, yeah, no, that'll be interesting. I think they're, Peter had said to me earlier, they're a yo-yo club. Peter... Aston Villa, yeah. Watford and West Ham had great wins over the weekend. Yeah, they did. I mean, uh, this relegation fight could well go down to the last week, Roy, to be honest with you. Yeah, I quite agree with you. I mean, obviously, Aston Villa, good result, as you say. West Ham, I think, although not mathematically safe, I think you could probably say, barring a complete collapse in their remaining uh, uh, three games that they've got, and other sides having to win quite a lot or get some more points. I think realistically, I think West Ham will be okay. Obviously, Antonio's hit form at the right time. Uh, that's a massive plus point there for uh, uh, West Ham. 
so yeah, I, you know, at the end of the day, it, it makes it interesting going into these final uh, three games for for a lot of these clubs in particular. Um, sometimes you think to yourself, where did Aston Villa actually get this performance from? Because it hasn't been coming, has it, for the last few games or mm, so? True. But all of a sudden, they've dug deep in particular and deserve to actually get that victory. So. I think the problem with Villa is more than anything, yeah, it's great that they've managed to get that victory. Obviously, three points does make a difference. But uh, realistically, they have to back it up with more points. That would be my uh, main position there. I, I just feel that are they good enough now to get another result? Um, I'm not too sure who their remaining three games are against uh, off the top of my head. But if they could eke out one more win preferably in their next game, then, of course, that will then put the pressure, on, obviously, on Bournemouth, Watford as well. So, yes, it may well be uh, Dean Smith has finally seen the turning point, but I've just, I'm just a little bit worried because um, I just don't think Aston Villa are have consecutive victories because if they can get consecutive victories, possibly, yeah, they've probably got a, a reasonable chance of getting out of the mire, so to speak. Bournemouth? Well, what can you say about Bournemouth? You know, we've talked about Bournemouth before, haven't we, really? Um, Bournemouth, again, it's another sort of... They desperately need a win from somewhere, don't they, more than anything else. If they could get a win, you never know. That that might make a big, uh, great deal of difference. Watford obviously helped themselves uh, over the weekend as well. You could see a side like Watford uh, gaining on that and, and obviously getting a victory as well. So they could well escape from it. It is fascinating. And just finally, the point on Norwich, which I will 100% agree what Dave said, but I, I think the real problem, you've only got to look at the stats, and I know I'm a bit of a stato, so to speak, mm-hmm. but Norwich, they've conceded 99 goals, Okay. Now, if you concede 99 goals, whether it's the Premier League, the Championship or any league, to be perfectly frank, it doesn't matter whether you play wonderful football or absolutely awful football or boring football. Let's face it, with a defence like that, there's only one way you're heading and you deserve to go down. And that's been their problem all season. I mean, you you could argue that Villa's defence and Bournemouth and Watford isn't that good. No, true. But it's nowhere near leaking the amount of 99 goals. And obviously, with three, three games to go, it's a certainty that Norwich is going to hit that 100 mark as well. Norwich gone. Villa, great win for them at a great time. 2-0 against Crystal Palace. But then again, maybe it's a little bit of luck. Palace have lost the last four. Um, and again, Villa's games, as you were asking, is Everton away, Arsenal at home. And then the big game is the last game. And it could very well go down to this one. West Ham are playing Villa in the very last game of the season. So there's only four points between them. Villa on 30, Watford 34 and West Ham 34. So, yeah, there could be something. So it would be great to see it go down to the last game, but it also would be heartbreaking. Tom, Chelsea 3-0 defeat today, uh, yesterday against Sheffield United. One week they're world beaters and the next, well, they're Arsenal. What's the story? <laughs> That's the story of any Chelsea season, isn't it? Any Chelsea season. If any team's going to do it, that's a team that could bounce back to beat Liverpool at some point. But no, it was. I didn't watch. I didn't watch the game. I haven't even bought myself to watch the highlights. I can't bear it. But um, I think it's the story of our season so far. You can see 
I think tactically it was wrong from Lampard. He tried too many formations there. I think I would have liked to see Giroud start as well instead of Tammy Abraham. Uh, even though Tammy got the goal uh, the game before, I'd like to see Giroud start. I think uh, he's just got a bit more presence about him in the box, especially against a strong defensive centre-back duo of uh, Sheffield United. Um, but it's the defence, again, you've got to talk about consistently. That's been the problem with us the whole season. We can we play pretty football sometimes, like Norwich, but we leak so many goals this time. And I don't think it's the keeper. I don't think it's Kepa's fault. I mean, last week you probably talked about Kepa and he's been under the limelight, but his front four in front of him aren't helping him at all. You can see Lampard's crisis because he hasn't settled for a consistent back four at all. The two centre backs keep changing. Week in, week out, you don't really know what your best fullbacks are either. So defensively, Chelsea are, are very vulnerable, vulnerable, and they have been all season and seasons before as well. Who could who could slot in there? Who, who would who would you look at to bring in? Declan Rice. I know we mentioned the other week. Declan Rice would be a huge asset to uh, if you're going to partner anyone. I'd happily have Zoom. I'd rather have I have Zoom over any of them. I think at the moment to partner Rice, mm. um, but Zuma looks like he could be on the way out as well. I've seen I'd quite like the recall of Ampadu, just because he he's played in the Premier League before. He's a bit of a leader, but then on the other hand, you've got he hasn't actually managed to start in Leipzig. I think he's managed four starts this season. Yeah. Um, so I think the way Chelsea goes, I think save that 90 million that you're looking at for Kai Havertz and go and splash some money on that back four because that's the only way you're going to be able to close that gap between City and Liverpool Yeah I think they'll have enough going forward if they if they do get they need to shore it up at the back but personally I think they probably need two at the back they could go from third place straight into fifth place and with only a couple of games left and, and it, it's a you know, Champions League football, you thought it was going to be in their hands and it only takes one result to, you know, change that all around. How confident are you that they'll get it? When I saw the result, uh, my confidence dropped massively. <laughs> um, I, thought, I thought if Chelsea won yesterday, that would have been me quietly confident about a top four finish with the fixtures we have. Norwich, I think we get, we're going to win, beat Norwich. Liverpool... I think out of all of them, Liverpool could have been the one we dropped points. But now, with Leicester winning today as well, a fourth place at the moment, with United to play tomorrow, I think it's going to be a, like the relegation battle. It's going to come down to the last week. You probably look at Leicester have got the hardest of the fixtures coming in, Spurs, uh, United and Sheffield United. Uh, United would say you probably have the easier fixtures going into that run of three games. Um, so I think it could come down to Monday night where Man City see if they have their ban uh, turned over from their appeal. Mm. I think that could be a turning point in the season for Chelsea. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the Manchester United Manchester United victory is a given against Southampton. That's one of the games that is definitely could be a, a tricky one for them. But United are back. Well, they they're performing well, Dave. <laughs> they're back. It's easy. It's in the bag. Yeah, it's not here in the other way. We are back. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with Fernandez getting those dives in. 
Nathan, we're going to finish off with the Premier League nearly by talking about this man. I have to, I have to say this. We have top players. And um, I'm sorry, I'm a bit arrogant. We have a top manager. Again, don't, please don't call me arrogant because what I, I'm saying is true. I'm European champion, so I'm not one of of the bottle. I'm a, I think I'm a special one. Is he a special one still, Nathan? No, uh, I don't think he is. I think the game is, um, has sort of passed him by a little bit. I think he's been found out over the years uh, with his tactics and with his formations. Set his teams up uh, pretty rigidly. Like, you know, just go one nil up and... They'll, they'll defend they'll defend the leads for the life of them something that is certain teams he's managed have been pretty good at doing but since the day he went there like he obviously he made his name in the like mainstream at Chelsea and ever since then he's just it's been pretty similar like nothing has really changed up it's getting a bit uh, a bit stagnant now at the moment and a bit repetitive so he's still a personality and he's still always going to be someone interesting to listen to and it's always going to grab the headlines but in terms of top tier managers go no I think uh, I think today he's saying the son might have just passed the boy to be honest with you yeah I watched the, most of the game today they beat Arsenal 2-1 they uh, Harry Kane got more touches inside his own half than he did around the uh, around the box yeah. Um it's it's concerned because not from not for me because I don't really care if what happens to Spurs, <laughs> but for a Spurs fan and I know a few Spurs fans, they're getting very deflated about the style that they're playing and the like. With Harry Kane already sort of being vocal about maybe looking elsewhere, if he's playing on the halfway line, it it, it could be a big problem for them. Uh, Harry Kane seems to be very vocal and, and not really wanting to stick around to to be trying to run from the halfway line. No, I can't blame him either. You know, like um, the issue with Kane was we talked about. I think a good while back, even when Pochettino was uh, in the in the job, that um, the lack of silver we were talking. I mean, it was always going to be an issue for Kane. He was always going to have his head torn elsewhere. But now you have just just a poor poor style of play that that Tottenham are playing that's really going to frustrate him. Like you can say, like he's an out and out striker. Like he's probably the most central striker he can get in the league at the moment like he loves just, just being up top like and you see him constantly like tracking back like I've seen himself when Mourinho was um, was managing United like and he'd have someone like Lukaku drifting out to the, to the wing like going to the midfield to find the ball like you know like it can't be really frustrating to watch and deflating and like I said like I know a couple of uh, partner fans that you don't mind picking up like results here and there if you can see a good process and you can see some good improvements but when the style of play is just so boring to watch like you know it's hard to really get up and get motivated and to enjoy watching a team play on the weekend like yeah so, um, he seems to have, have a tough job coming yeah, up now to keep a holiday. absolutely he seems to have a, an excuse for everything he wasn't happy with the fixture congestion um, he was talking about the Arsenal game being two days later. Arsenal had more time than them. He, he won that game, so I'm sure he won't be complaining yeah, about it I, I, afterwards. To be honest, I just think that's a bit of a cop-out, like, because they got everybody's situation in the league, you know? like yeah. That's the way it was going to be with the return of football like, in the Premier League. It was always like, having so many games in such a short amount of time. It, he's, he's not the only manager to have that issue. Yeah. Like, plenty of other managers have that issue. 
for someone to have that issue with a lesser squad than he has and is still coping with it. So I, I, I think that's a bit of a cop-in, I'd be honest with you. Yeah, there was a, a journalist asked him about why his teams weren't scoring. Um, I'll, I'll play that interview for you. You talked about the lack of goals just now from your team. Um, I get the impression it really frustrates you because you have a forward yeah. line that is capable of scoring as many goals as United have scored over 100 this year, as Liverpool. I mean, there's some seriously good players up front. But they no, need United, to look at themselves. United, certain, certain penalties is a help. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. It's a help. <laughs> do, you, do your strikers need to have a little bit of a look at themselves in the summer then? Do they need to improve it a little bit? No. No. Our attacking players are very good. We cannot get better players than than what we have. Um, I like them all. And one thing is uh, we are not scoring goals. Another thing is uh, the players are not good enough. And my players are very good. So in relation to to market, I don't want to replace my I don't want to replace my attacking players. So Nathan, he's talking about his attacking players are like the, basically saying that they're the best that are out there. So if the goals aren't coming from the strikers, um, midfield is midfield a big problem from, or will the tactics always dictate that they they won't score that amount of goals? I think that's what goes back to the earlier point of uh, of Mourinho setting his teams up to defend the late. And I think if that's the way he's always going to put his teams out, that's the way it's going to remain. Like, if you one second, if you just go and have a look at, uh, at like the previous results, like 2 1, nil all, 1 nil, got beaten 3 1, 2 nil. So, like, nothing standing out. Like, it's, it's all pretty obvious out there. When they are taking a lead, they're just doing any, everything they can to grasp onto that lead completely. So, I think if that's the way that Mourinho's going to set up this team, that's how it's going to remain. Like it's all like like I said, like what's the point of having your main man Harry Kane come back to the halfway line? Like, like that's nothing to do. Um, so that's all to do with tactics. So if that's where you're going to have your main man, then the goal like the goals will not fly in. Like, and they have like they have they have a lot a lot of midfielders. Like you now someone like like Deli Ali, who personally I'm not a big fan of. Like you have someone like Eric Lamella, who I think has actually impressed me since, especially since the football has came back, and Gunn Thomas saying him, he's been pretty decent. Same with uh, the Celsio, pretty uh, looks a pretty good player. Like, But uh, yeah, so I think it's, I think a lot of it is going to fall down to tactics. Uh, that's the way he's set to be teams. That's the way he's always set to be teams. That's the way he's going to continue. Yeah. Unfortunately for Dave, is, 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 is Nathan harsh on him? Can Mourinho, is his style still able to win trophies as, as Levy has brought him uh, in for? Look, there's no doubt there's a group of players out there that can gladly slide into his style, but it's just, it, that, that stuff takes time. It's as simple as that. We don't like watching it. We say, Certainly when you look at your Liverpools and Chelsea's and United's and, and cities, it's a lot more exciting to play. I'm sure if he was given time and the back and he could get a team that can kill that kind of game of football without a shadow of a doubt, but it's it's so hard. And plus, it's so hard to get players who want to play like that. Um, so it's kind of like, does Levy want to back him? Um, it, it's, it's, uh, I can't think of a better term. It's shit or get off the pot. 
either back him and, and, and let it ride out for a couple of years or it's time to move on and rip it up again because they were kind of on the way down anyway with, with not necessarily with Pochettino but they weren't they kind of hit their peak and they were starting to slide and it hasn't really the rebuild hasn't really started and I suppose another thing just lastly uh, about Kane he's still coming back from a long term injury I'd say he's probably nowhere near real match fitness so he doesn't, he doesn't look I have to say in the, in the, that's why I'm surprised he's in the middle yeah. of the park trying to get the ball because I'd say yeah yeah. No, I'd agree with you. He's just not. He's just not at it as well. So no. it's like he's still going to take time to get going, and it won't be till probably the new season that starts in September. So, and then as he said about Ali and the boys, like yeah, I, I've always said it on the show. I, 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 I haven't seen it. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure he has got it. There is something about him. I personally have never seen it. I must miss the games that he do, he turns it on because I don't. So there's a bit of work to be done there. But it's whether they want it to go Mourinho style or not is the big question. Yeah. If you were Levy, would you look for something in the summer or would you stick with the man that you've promised will bring trophies? If you want trophies and if you if you genuinely believe in the man, you stick with him. But uh, it'll be very tough to get somebody um, to play in a way to keep the fans happy because Spurs are used to nice football. Not necessarily winning football, but they're certainly used to nice football. Bit like West Ham, they get like a, the famous phrase with with, with in with Fergie. Oh, play the West Ham way, play the West. What is the West Ham way? The last time I checked, they haven't won anything, so it's not a, it's not a, it's not an effective way. And it's yeah. a bit like that with Spurs, I suppose, as well. Yeah, yeah. No, totally agree, Tom. I want you to listen to this. Martial stepped away from McGinn. Fernandez. Let's give it. Oh, Esri Conzer, it was right on the edge of the box and Konza is disputing that I think but John Moss was in no doubt points to the spot so he stops to try and block what he thinks is going to be a shot and Fernandez just stands on the ball and then goes over and his momentum takes him into him Fernandez scores and a lot of Villa's good work is undone I'm bringing it to you, Tom. Seems reference it was it yourself reference that, uh, <laughs> uh, but it's not really necessarily the the go for it, Tom. It's not really Fernandez is what I want to talk about. It's VAR. We were talking about it every week, I suppose. People are talking about it, but this week we had three in one night: the Aston Villa and Manchester United game. There was Harry Kane getting pushed over against Bournemouth and there's one in Everton, Southampton as well, where the Premier League came out to apologise that all these decisions were wrong. VAR got all these decisions wrong. Where does VAR where does VAR go with this? Like where do we go with VAR really is what is what I'm asking with can it is it yeah. is it useful? Like I mean it can't be useful if it's getting things wrong just like a referee in a game would get it wrong. So it's not adding anything to the game, is it? But I think now it's been added in. The, the annoying thing is it was brought in to make it fairer, um, clean, the game cleaner, to make it flow a bit better. But it hasn't. And last, those one today as well, Mohamedou Sacco for Palace scored and that was ruled out uh, as handball. It came off the top of his shoulder, which meant the goal was scrapped off. I think if, you, if you're going to make VAR work in the league, because it worked so well in the World Cup, it did, you need to make sure every, every, any decision, I think, referees straight to the monitor. 
The referees need to see it. There's no good being told what to do. You're there to referee a game. At the moment with VAR, they're relying too much on the decisions being told through their headset, looking at lots of different angles. It's still a game of sport. There are going to be mistakes in every, every single game. You can't make it completely neutral and fair. But I think the only way VAR is going to work next season is if they start from clearer rules. And I think as a first kind of rule, just make it simple. Just make sure you get you have a couple you have an inch or so margin for error on offsides and onsides and make sure that the the referee goes to the monitor. But kind of make it that they have to. Make it a rule that the if there's a big decision taking a goal off, you need to make sure that the referee goes to the monitor. It's the only way that those mistakes aren't going to be kind of occurring every week. Every week. Would football be better or worse if you took VAR away? From a fan's point of view, you'd probably say it's better because you have, it's still sport. You're going to have errors. You're going to have mistakes. But on the other hand, you're not going to get the massive mistakes that you had previously. You're not going to have, if the ball, you've obviously got goal line technology that works easily, that's sorted. But then you'd say VAR works for the those red card challenges as well, that, that can affect a game. So I think probably for a sport as a whole, it probably makes it better, but they've got to have clear rules and everyone's got to understand what's happening. Okay. I think you've got to kind of look at rugby as an opportunity and use try and use VAR in a way that the TMO is used in rugby. Show fans what you're looking at and go to the monitors. Yeah. What about goal celebrations? They're very muted these days. People don't know. Even managers, I don't know who it was, was it Mourinho said he doesn't know what happened 10 seconds previous if it's going to stop a goal or not. So people aren't celebrating goals the way they used to. Is it not sucking the fun out of football? Yeah. It's, it wouldn't say it's taking the fun out because you, you have seen them, but obviously it's that delayed way before they celebrate and then they keep looking over their shoulders. They can't engage with the crowd. The crowds engage and then there's that elation of scoring that's just been taken away. So I feel like if you're going to, it's either a goal or it, you need to make that decision quickly because, yeah, it's taking a bit of the fun and kind of, it's creating more of an anticipation, but it's not a high, high, highly elation, high elation of anticipation. It's kind of more of a worry gun. Okay, we scored. It's in the 90th minute. That's three points. Hang on a minute. Actually, is it going to count, or are we going to lose two points? Mm. So that's yes. Is it? <laughs> it, no. it's, it just seems to me to be killing it. Anyhow, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, no ah. doubt, no doubt. We won't go through it too much because we go through everyone with this one. It, it, it'll kill us, Peter. They're talking about bringing in five substitutions and possibly uh, uh, next year because they have the five substitutions in uh, and possibly the water breaks as well. What do you make of the water breaks or tactics breaks that they're calling them now? And what do you make of the five substitutions? Well, first of all, the original idea of having a, uh, in inverted commas, water break was for the players' health coming back, obviously, after such a long uh, gap, which at the time I, I fully understood and I fully went with. But the more 
you watch games and the more you see, quite simply, it isn't uh, a, such a water break. It, all it is, it's just a tactical break. In other words, it's like a timeout in American games. Now, in my honest opinion, um, I haven't seen one um, game with a, what is supposed to be a, a social distancing water break as well, in particular. That's another fact uh, as well. But, you know, at the end of the day, no, I mean, I, I think I should just do away with it because for a start, it disrupts the flow of a match. It also can either help a side or not help a side, depending on the position they're in as regard momentum or not. In most cases, you're seeing uh, once a side has had this or once sides have had this water break, uh, the side that was on top all of a sudden isn't on top anymore uh, and vice versa. And I, I, to me, I, I think that's totally wrong. Like I said, I think the real, if it was intended to be what it should be intended to be, uh, and remember, they did say about having a warm summer and everything else, etc. Yeah, I mean, okay, go along with that. But but right from the start, it's been clearly, in my opinion, totally abused. And I'm not having to go at the players or the coaches or anybody else. I mean, I think most people would have said after a while, hang on a minute, is this really technically a water break? It isn't really. It's a It's a chance for... A, a group huddle, so to speak, you know, uh, for coaches to get into sides or not. It's a tactical break more than anything. So personally, I, I'm totally against it myself. I just hope next season that they just totally and utterly do away with it because it, it's pointless. It really is. It doesn't, you know, it's not designed as, as the way it should be. And the other point with five substitutes, again, I'm hoping and praying, Roy, in particular, that next season that gets done away with as well because at the end of the day, all right, again, this was originally brought in for the fact of uh, players are going to be coming back from having no competitive uh, football for well over three months. They're going to have go down with cramp. They're going to have injuries, which is, again, at the start, I think everybody went along with that. And they thought, yeah, five substitutes, brilliant idea. Why not? I can see the logic of it. The only problem it's doing now is, if anything, in my honest opinion, I just think it's benefiting the, uh, the biggest sides and the ones with bigger squads because at the end of the day in most cases you look at the the main sides in, in the Premier League, uh, the big boys so to speak you, you, all right, their first 11 is good enough but my god you look at the bench and you can throw five people on at three different times and you've got a massive uh, amount of talent on that bench whereas the smaller clubs and the lower clubs in particular they haven't got the luxury of that so all it's really doing, in my honest opinion, by having five substitutes, is just uh, helping the bigger side, whereas the smaller clubs and the lower sides down the league in particular, uh, it, it's not doing them any benefit at all whatsoever. So on both of those points, I'll be perfectly honest and I'll probably be boring and say I just hope that they do away with both of them because, in my honest opinion, it, it's not improving the Premier League uh, at all whatsoever. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping by next season they scrap it. Yeah, Dave Peter's been very vocal there. He's he's not up for I suppose the four quarters if you want to put it that way. And the five subs, I, I agree, mm. it makes sense. I mean, if you're bringing Paul Pogba and 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 Norwich are bringing on uh, uh, Billy, someone or another, <laughs> the, it, it's not it's not really that fair, is it? So, but Jurgen Klopp and Ancelotti came out and. They have said that they love the water breaks because they love the the, the the tactical use of it. So if the best managers in the world are liking it, 
should it be brought in? Uh, no. Well, it's whether you want it or not. If you don't want it, it's quite easy. You, you kind of technically, you could bring in the old good old Adam Sandler water boy and they have to bring the bottles in 20 yards away and literally you have a minute, get your drink and then bring them back away and the manager's away from them. But if they really want it to happen and if the big boys are already saying it, let's, let's, let's face it, they'll probably bow down to the bigger, to, to the, to the, the big stars, i.e. the managers. There's, there's every chance uh, that it could come in if the, if the, the superstar managers are starting to say so. But if, if it's really, there's a way of doing it. I, I, I don't personally, I, I completely agree with it in the summer. I, kind of, I, I got all that. And it's the same with the five subs. But the one thing I'll just go quickly onto the five subs, it'll get very like, um, it'll get very like rugby where you can bring in a whole new front row and finish off the game as strong as you, you started it. Like, say, for example, Liverpool, and it's obviously it's, it's, it's easy for me to do this, but the midfield three who run around like mad could do it for 65, 70 minutes, and they could bring in a brand new fresh three and still have two other subs. Mm. I, don't, I personally, that, that's where I don't believe in it. They, you'll have special teams almost, and it'll get very like rugby and say American football, Well, like, like what I just said, a special teams. So personally, between both of them, I hope they don't. But if the water does stay, there's, there's a way of doing it without the managers getting involved. But now that they want it, there's every chance that they'll, they'll bail to their wishes. Yeah, well, I think I'd be with Tom. I don't think I'd... Or with Peter, I don't think I'd want them in now yeah. at all. The game is supposed to be two halves, yeah, supposed to be a agree. test of forty-five minutes of okay. sta- stamina each way. So it'd be just breaking it down. And all, and all of a sudden, then you'd probably start seeing big commercial breaks in between. You know, we're starting to do Super Bowl. Oh. So yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. know if we want to go down that road. 